These are Grindstaff Publishing audio files. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Grindstaff Publishing Podcast. I am Tyler Grindstaff, the writer and narrator of this uh, sucker. Um, today is, let's see, it is the um, 16th of November. Um, and strangely, we've had our Christmas lights up for the past uh, week because we were just going full bore into the whole kind of skipping Thanksgiving and going right into Christmas thing. So I just got down from the roof of hanging up some lights in the pitch black dark, but it looks really cool, so getting after it. Um, I just recorded the Three Countries, Chapter 11 of um, Room to Rome chapter, and I was just talking to my wife about how kind of strange it is that three countries in three days was only like five pages or six pages in that chapter, and so the recording was super short. Um, so, But then I started thinking maybe it's not crazy because... When you're doing that fast of travel, you know, it's only one day per country and you're just on and next, next, next. And so everything kind of goes really fast and your brain goes really fast. And so I have notes in it and I, I could have extended that out, you know, quite a bit. But when I, but when I wrote that chapter, I guess I was thinking that there are, you know, I, I was heading over to, um, to Italy pretty soon. So I would be in Venice, and so that that Italy chapter, the Italian chapter, is huge. Slightly, it's like thirty pages, <clears throat> thirty pages long. Excuse me. So it, it was interesting and surprised me after three years of not reading it that it's so short. But the three countries I visited in 2015 was uh, let's see, it was uh, Austria. So I went to Vienna first, then I went to um, Bratislava, Slovakia, then I went down to Budapest, Hungary, and then I trekked on um, back to Austria the following time. So three countries, three days, very, very fast. Um, and it, it, they were all really cool. I mean, the first the first time going to Austria and Vienna was was disheartening because I had gone from very, very small UNESCO heritage uh, UNESCO heritage site, um, Chesky Kromlov in the southern part of um, Czech, or Czech Republic slash uh, Chechnya. And so I'd gone from this very picturesque, beautiful medieval town it's very small. I had um, I, I had hired um, a private car, which is strange because that sounds expensive, but it was actually the cheapest method of travel that fit my, my schedule. And so I, I woke up early and I got in this, you know, black, black car. It was me and the driver and we just drove across the country into um, Austria down to Vienna. And the guy was super cool. He was uh, um, probably about my age now, which is strange, about 31 or so. And he and he was a um, high school teacher there in um, in uh, let's see I guess he would have been working in Chechnya, so I guess he was working somewhere in Chechnya. Um, and so he was talking about me about stuff. He was a um, a teacher. Um, he he had a wife and very young kid. And so now it's kind of interesting being who I am now six years later after the trip and be like, oh wow, that's me now. Interesting. Um, but he was really cool, and we, um, we we drove across the countryside, went through our first uh, checkpoint and everything, and was a super, super cool guy. Um, we got to Vienna, which is a big metropolis, huge metropolis of a city, um, and I was just so unimpressed. Even looking back now, I don't know why 
I got this such a bad vibe from Vienna. Like it wasn't like I was, you know, like people were rude or whatever, or the sights weren't beautiful. It was all great. But I think part of the reason why I didn't like it was because it was very much a tourist city, not a town or whatever. It was very much a tourist city, very much like Paris or whatever, where they know people are going to be there for tourism. So they're going to charge you for everything. And so consequently, I didn't do a whole lot. Um, and again, I was only there for 24 hours, if that. Um, but it was interesting because I got there probably like, I don't know, 10 in the morning, 9 in the morning, and just quickly walked around the, you know, so much of that city. Um, and just like, was unimpressed, unimpressed, unimpressed. Um, I, I ended the night at uh, at Schönbrunn um, Palace, which is this, this big, beautiful palace, Baroque Palace. Um, and I was there and I was like, this is, this is okay. But I'm like, I just, I just wasn't feeling like that really impressed part. And then the night really ended with me being in this God awful hostel. Um, it was so bizarre because, you know, most hostels are buildings like they're, it's a standing structure, but this hostel was, you go to the office building, they give you a key and you go out down the alleyway. And there's like a, like almost like a, like a shipping and delivery door that slides open and just right there are bunks of beds. So you're like, I mean, I slept like 10 feet away from people walking around on the sidewalks. Um, and every time someone opened that door, you were just exposed to the, to the, out to the street. Anyone could have walked in. And so, you know, I was in there, people were all kind of like super, super young and like wanted to party and were like really party heavy people. So I was just kind of like, ah, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. And so I'm just going to do my own thing and kind of just be that loner guy. So didn't have a good experience in Vienna as a whole. Didn't have a good experience looking at the sites. So I couldn't really see anything because of the prices. Um, the hostel was terrible. So Vienna just, in my mind, just didn't get a good grade. Um, I mean, it was gorgeous. It was so beautiful. And, and, and I would love to go back and actually spend money, you know, and do cultured things like, you know, seeing, seeing a, you know, a theatrical performance and going into the museums and, you know, going into the, um, the coffee houses and stuff like that and taking in that culture because it's such, such a really cool culture. Um, the Austrian people are, are amazing people anyway. And, and I would find that out when I came back to Austria, but, um, you know, this, the, the and I, I didn't really know um, until when I got back to America that that coffee house culture of like intellectuals and coffee houses being these, these bastions of, you know, discussions and people playing chess and, um, you know, back in the twenties and stuff. And with, you know, Sigmund Freud and that kind of thing, like that culture is very much alive still. And, um, yeah, it's definitely more accessible. It's not like it's like, you know, you have to be a super smart person to be in those places, but just this very, very, you know, thinking person city, um, this really, really, um, logical people. And, um, I would love to go back and experience it differently. Early the following morning, I, I rose from my uh, not great sleep in that crappy hostel um, and went to the, the bus and found myself going across down um, into Slovakia. Um, the, you know, the definitely the one that was like the, the most like scary country, Slovakia. Like that's where hostel was, you know, took place and like, oh man, Slovakia, true Eastern Europe. And I got to Bratislava and it was cool. It was, it was fine. It was just, it was really cool. Um, and it had that that really cool vibe and mixture of the culture and the people and the medieval history and the cobblestones and the castle and everything really came together in this really, really, really interesting feeling of being there. 
And there is no, like once I got there and I started walking around, I was like, oh, this is great. This, this is like any other, you know, country in Europe or any other city in Europe. Um, and Bratislava was fantastic. Um, I, I did some walking around. I started off going right up to the Bratislava castle, went around there, um, looked down upon, um, they, they have this like big UFO like restaurant that is, um, also acts as like a support for the bridge, the main bridge into the city. And so that's interesting. Um, there's like the old town you, you could see from the Bratislava castle. And then there's like the people place where everyone lived. Um, and so I decided to buck the system a little bit for myself. And so I went, um, out into the, the residential area. Um, it had a little bit of that Cold War vibe that dance cad up in Poland, but very, you know, very normal, very just people doing their own thing. There wasn't a lot of, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that was weird. Um, there's a lot of just cool people doing their own thing, going to delis, walking with their kids, you know, just normal stuff. Um, so then, then I went back into the old town, uh, did a little, little bit of walking around, not too much. And then I went to my hostel, um, very typical hostel, checked in. There is a, uh, oh, upon checking in, this uh, this very Eastern European bro kind of guy at the at the check in check in place gave me this like bear with a or a beer with the grizzly bear on it, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, free beer, is like warm. And I went went up to the room, and um, I just remember like cracking this warm beer open and drinking and looking out, and it was very much like this whole um, you know, kind of tall apartment building looking things and pretty drab and miserable and I was like oh well this is a different feel from where I just came from but whatever no one was in the hostel room so I was okay let's go back out again I was only there for you know that night and a little bit of the morning so I had to hurry went back into the old town district was super amazing just so so beautiful walked around looked at graffiti art and um, looked at all the old buildings the cobblestones and then I went into I think I had dinner somewhere like like a kebab place and then I went for a drink at this um uh, I guess it was like a, either, I think it was like Irish bar. Um, so, and, and like most Irish bars, um, in, in the world, people that are, are in there are not Irish at all. And so I got there, I remember, um, it was, I think rugby or Australian rules football, but I think, I think it was rugby and it was some kind of really big deal because I walked in and all these Australian and English people were just like yelling and screaming at the TVs and they were just going berserk over this game. And I remember being like, okay, this is cool. Like I love an atmosphere. So I got, I got a couple of beers and I was like with them and I was like trying to figure out what the hell is going on. I never watched a full game of rugby in my life. Still haven't, um, respect the hell. I respect the hell out of those guys. They're it's crazy. It's just like football and soccer with no pads. And it's just like, holy crap, these guys are giant people and they're just out there just killing each other. So very cool, very athletic. And the people in that bar were so enthusiastic and it was fantastic. It was so cool to be a part of that group. I left the Irish bar and I went to my hostel again. Um, I walked in and there was a, um, a probably like 21, 22 year old Canadian girl sitting on top of my bunk because I had the bottom one. So she was up there and she was talking to this really good looking guy from, that was in like full motorcycle gear. Um, and he was a super cool guy. He was German. Um, super looked like a model. Like I was like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Um, but, but the Canadian girl was on her way to, uh, Turkey to Istanbul and, um, just was super stoked about it. She was by herself. She wasn't meeting anybody. She was doing her own thing. Just totally solo, solo woman traveler. Um, and she's just a really, really cool girl. Um, the German guy was from Germany. He went to school in Switzerland. Um, I think he's gonna be like an architect or something like that. And, um, for being this extremely good looking guy, he was actually really personable. 
because um, he, he definitely had like a very dickish air about him. Um, but he turned out to be really cool. And uh, we all talked for a while. He talked about um, school and like he was on this this big um, motorcycle trip around, you know, numerous countries before he graduated from school. And um, just great. And he talked, we him and I talked about mountains and, you know, me climbing stuff in America, him, him and his friends climbing stuff, climbing the Alps, which is kind of like, man, there's just the history alone of the Alps are just like, damn, how, how do I compete with that? Unless I'm climbing like something like Mount McKinley or something like that. So yeah, he's just a cool guy. And, and um, the girl was really cool. And she blew me away because she just has like, has like zero fear. Like she was going to Istanbul by herself which is not a huge deal. You know, Istanbul is a humongous city, very cultured. Um, but then once you get out of Istanbul, Turkey is a very, um, you know, not backwards, not stupid. Just like they're very much like a, they're very, they're very conservative. They're very people that, that, you know, see things as they used to be conservative people. Um, I, I, I worked for a few years with, with a Tur- Turkish guy that was from Istanbul. He was, he was one of the nicest guys I ever met. And he made me want to go to Turkey so bad that even he was like, yeah, you, you don't want to go, you know, Southeast Turkey. You don't want to go this place, that place, because, you know, it's very much like the, this whole, you know, this militant, very radical conservative situation. So it kind of caught me off guard that she wanted to go not only to Istanbul, but she wanted to go over to Ankara. And at that time, they were having major, major issues, political strife and um, just a lot of refugee stuff. So I was like, ah, damn, well, you know power to you. I mean, if it was a guy or a girl, I'd be like, damn, be careful. But you know, just this, this almost naive, you know, very, very good looking, very blonde Canadian girl, just like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. So go cool. very, very, uh, it just, those kind of things, those kind of people definitely teach you that it doesn't matter, you know, who, who it is. They can just surprise the hell out of you. And she was a amazingly, amazingly smart, cool person and hope she went there and had a great time. Um, we, we went to sleep that night after a few beers. Um, woke up the next morning. The motorcycle, the motorcycle guy was gone. Um, the, the, the Canadian girl was still asleep above me. And uh, and I, I got onto a bus and I went um, further south. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was a train that time. I trained down to Budapest, Hungary. Um, Budapest was in my head because of, the, the again, the, the Syrian refugee crisis. And um, in the news, definitely the westernized American news, it was very much like Budapest was like basically this gateway from people from Syria, you know, far southeastern Europe, people from in um, you know in Turkey, people that wanted to get out of their countries for whatever reason. Budapest was like one of the first major stops before they went further into contiguous Europe and then on. So when you watch the the news from America or from you know any American centric European um, news station. It was. It, it showed Budapest has like this not not a refugee camp, but there is definitely a spot where it's like almost like a like uh, checkpoint, and people were you know it's kind of this like the last stop until they could get into the the real Europe. Um, so I didn't know what to expect, and then since my 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 very first time stepping off the train in Hungary would be in the Budapest rail, rail station, I was really curious. I got there, and there was without any incident. Um, there weren't a bunch of people. There weren't a bunch of refugees hanging out, asking for food or whatever. When you, when I when I left, the um, there there was like a, a pretty good pretty good size of um, Red Cross people, um, nurses, volunteers, that kind of thing that were there for people that needed help in the with the refugee stuff. But it wasn't this giant clamoring thing that I was kind of expecting to to see. Um, 
I got out of the train station and just, it was dumping buckets, buckets of rain. Um, and I, ha- I had to walk quite a ways to get to my hostel. Um, I was super confident. I, I had the, I had the hostel, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I had the hostel marked on my, on my Google map. It's okay. I got this. Just get through the rain. You got this. And I got to the, got to the spot on my map and the hostel wasn't there. And I was like, well, that's weird. So I circled around and couldn't find it again. Circled around, couldn't find it again. Saw, saw the signs that should have been there. Saw the addresses. They should be there. It wasn't there. The hostel wasn't there. And at that point, it was, it was one of those things where there's so much adrenaline involved in getting to where you need to be. Like I've said before that the hostel is your, your, your spot. Like that, that's like your headquarters while you're in that place. It's literally where you lay your head down at night. And so once you once you get to this new, new city, new, new country or both, it's this all these, at least for me, there's all these nerves about cages. I don't care what I have to do. I have to get to my hostel. Once that's figured out, I know where that is. Everything else is just like fun, you know? So that's how I kind of always looked at it. And I always kind of experienced that is that once I get there, once I figure out the hostel situation, I'm okay. And so when I, when everything was adding up to being like, this is a real place, like the, I had the confirmation email, I paid the money, I had the address, I had everything situated and I couldn't find the damn place. I was like, oh my God. And I, my, my eyes started to get hot and um, tears got a little bit, a little welled up a little bit. I was like, oh man, like I can't find this place. Like what is what I'm going to happen? And then um, just out of, out of sheer luck, someone, someone came out of a door. I didn't realize it was even important. So, oh, maybe that's where I need to go. And I opened that door and then I went up the stairs and there it was. So it was like kind of hidden from the, the street view. Um, I, I walked up, kind of composed myself and then like, I wasn't crying, you know, I wasn't crying, but I had my, like my eyes were definitely, whew, that was close. I almost broke down there for a second. I opened the door and, um, I was greeted by this, uh, this emo guy with like, um, with like white, white contacts in his eyes. So he had, it looked like he had like no pupils or anything. He just like, he had like white eyes and, um, emo haircut and everything, band t-shirt. And I was like, ah, cool. And I can't remember what the hell that hostel was called. It was called something. It definitely had like a, like a mustache, um, logo. Oh, the hipster hostel, hipster hostels was called the hipster hostel had a mustache, of course. And so I was like, ah, well, okay. I guess this is, I'm going to get into. And, um, but it's actually super nice. It was, it was really, really cool. And what I would find in, in, uh, France and Paris. Um, but this kind of, very open plan. And, um, it was almost like a, like an art studio feeling where you like, you walk in and there's like these three rooms, but someone had knocked out the walls from those rooms. So it was kind of all open. It was really, really cool. Very, I mean, looking back now saying hipster hostel is definitely what I would think of as a hipster hostel. Um, and so found a spot and instantly this guy named James, who's an Australian guy popped up and said, Hey man, how you doing? Where are you from? Then typical, where are you from? What are you doing? Where are you going? And um, him and I clicked, like, hit it off instantly. Like he was super cool. His name was James from Australia. Um, he's a, so he was a, a photographer. He had a, I think he was like 23 or something like that, really young, just graduated from college and was doing the whole gap gap year after college versus, you know, after high school. And um, he had made a lot of money doing side stuff and DJing and side photography stuff and um, just saved a bunch of money in Australia and that the Australian dollar goes further when you're outside of Australia. And so he had all this money, and so he was going on, on a year-long um, traveling extravaganza around the world. And um, it was always interesting because it was very much like, you know, I guess all of life, where there's always a bigger fish thing. 
And so just whenever I was like, oh man, like my trip is a shit. Like my trip is, you know, three months, 94 days, all these countries. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hot shit. And then there'd always be this person who'd be like, well, I'm doing six months or I'm doing a year. I'm doing four years. And so it was nice where immediately I got to take off my guard. Like, okay, well, I'm not this like amazing intrepid traveler. He's going to all these countries around the world in a year. And so it was nice. And as I kind of broke that ice really quick, but he was a super nice guy, very unassuming, very Australian, um, and just a really cool guy. And him and I hit it off really well. And we just, okay, well, this guy is a person that I could probably travel around Budapest with. So after um, getting my stuff unpacked and everything, got my bunk going, uh, him and I hit the streets, the rain had stopped. So we, um, I think it was at nighttime, around nighttime when I got there. So it would be that night, the entire day, and then the next morning I'd be leaving. So it was longer than 24 hours, luckily. That night we kind of just got got some beers, um, hung out in the hostel, talked about my writing stuff, his photography, and my kind of desire for photography. And kinda, he gave me some pointers and gave me some stuff and asked, kind of we showed off our cameras. Um, and it, it was just really fun to kind of have that first like first night of just being like, this This is a person I didn't know existed in, couple hours ago and now we're like best friends went to sleep the next morning um we we decided to do a uh, free walking tour um that was amazing we we saw so much of, of the, the downtown old town budapest and um learned quickly that it was called budapest so there's a shh at the end there's a budapest um so if you want to sound pedantic or condescending you can always throw that out if, as you know if you're not hungarian um and learned a few phrases in hungarian and got told about this liquor that was famous in hungary um, so we did all this, this kind of walking around, looked at all this stuff, a lot of, a lot of pictures and it was really nice weather. This Brazilian girl, um, kind of got, got in, into our little, little couple duo circle. And so then it became, um, me, James, Australian guy. And then this Brazilian girl who was probably like 25 or 30, somewhere in there. This super cool girl kind of doing the same thing, traveling from Brazil, um, or, you know, going, wanting to go to Europe, want to go tra- uh, cheap travel, um, which is a lot of, a lot of what you see when you see a lot of what you see when you go into that part of Europe, when you go, when you go into France, people that are going to France have to have money because why else do you go to France unless you have money? Um, but when you find people in like Poland, Czechia, Slovakia, that kind of stuff, Hungary, the their money probably goes further, um, and so you kind of get that cheaper backpacker, that true backpacker when you go to those cheaper countries, which is pretty cool. So this girl, I can't remember what her, her name is, Maria or something like that. Um, you know, good looking girl, just like very, very chill and laid back. And so the three of us, you know, got done with the walking tour around, around noon or so we had lunch and then kind of just traveled here and there, um, saw the sights, um, kind of got later, we got, we, we got some beer, um, put it in my, my backpack and then we kind of just drank, drank some beer as we walked around the, like the sights and we went up to this, um, um, uh, what's it called? Fit, fisherman's, um, Fisherman something, Fisherman's... Anyway, all right, full disclosure, I just looked it up on Google. Um, Fisherman's Bastion, it is um, It is within the Buddha Castle, and it is one of the most important um, uh, places for tourists to go because it is a very unique um, panoramic view of the city. So that's what Google says, I just looked it up. Um, but from what I, what I remember that place was really cool because it was dark, it was very dark. Um, the, the Hungarian parliament was lit up beautifully stars were out statues were doing their thing in the shadows we were drinking beer um walking around telling our life stories and such and then got back to the hostel after the brazilian girl went her own way 
And then just kept talking, talk, talking, drank some more beer we got from down down below in the market. And then um, James and I just kind of said our goodbyes. And we're like, okay, well, here's our information. Um, here's our social media stuff. And I kind of, I followed him around and he would just, and, and even even years later, like a few years after that, he uh, he's this really cool guy. He um, he ended up going, like you said, around the world. Um, I think he ended up in Mexico City or New York or something like that. He, I think he went to Mexico City. And then went, you know, went through America a little bit and then went to New York City and then went back home. But very quickly, he wasn't at home in Australia very long because then he was doing um, like cruise cruise stuff and he was doing like, um, like he was helping people travel and he seemed like he devoted himself kind of to travel after that. And I haven't kind of, I've lost track since then. But yes, he's a super cool guy. And one of the guys that you just like, he just leaves a, he left an indelible impression on me that was like, oh, this guy's really cool and I'm glad I met him. Um, it's a really bright spark. Um, so the, the next day, um, I took took transport um, back into um, Austria, and then uh, then that's where the next chapter starts. So, like I just told Alex, what happened? Um, we're at currently twenty four minutes and forty one seconds. So this uh, this discussion is like three times longer than the actual chapter. But I don't know whatever that that's what these discussions are about is to go further into what happened and just tell you tell you guys what happened in my own words and um it's an interesting writing kind of bit because it shows that whatever the hell i was thinking three years ago it stuck and it really made sense to write fast because you know i could have made that chapter 20 pages and i could have been like you know then we did this and then this place this place this place but the entire book wasn't supposed to, it's not supposed to be a travel journal. It's not supposed to be a travel, you know, itinerary or whatever to, or even a guidebook or whatever. It just, a, it's, it just looks at my experiences in that. You know, sometimes it does feel like an itinerary. Sometimes it feels like a journal. I guess it's a journal, um, but it's not built to be a guidebook. And so it, it sometimes feels like that, um, I guess, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But I didn't want to write every single thing. Uh, and in this discussion, I don't want to talk about every single thing. Um, some of it, it sounds like that sometimes, but I just want to, the points that stuck out six years after the trip, three three years after the book was written, um, those things stick. And it's like, it's like if someone asked me, oh, you know, tell me about your time when you went to three countries in three days. Um, and it was just, it's just really cool to have you this, this discussion. And hopefully someone is listening to this and hopefully someone gets something out of this because it's just nice to talk about again. Um, and this is what it sounds like when someone asks me this over beers at a bar or, you know, family gatherings or whatever. And, um, it just, it's really nice to have these conversations and talk deeper about the book. And, um, I guess it could be seen as promotion, but this book means a lot to me. Um, it's interesting because as I'm going through it again and reading it out loud, there are definitely a lot of, a lot of grammar mistakes, but that's, that's one that I, I never want to get hung up on. I've never been a, you know, grammar police kind of guy. Um, a book for me is about the story. Um, as long as it's not egregious, as long as it's not like, man, every third word is spelled wrong and there's weird commas. As long as it's like here and there. Um, but that's how conversation is. You know, nothing is perfect. When you're asking the greatest storyteller ever, he, he, he or she is going to make mistakes and they're talking and telling you the stories out loud. Um, you know, I, I could have edited this book for three years and put it, and just put it out, but why, you know, why do that? Why, you know, why, why deprive myself of that fun of, of putting out a book, creating a book and writing a book when grammar shouldn't matter. I mean, it's, it's again, as, as long as it's not egregious and as long as people, 
you know, don't like, man, this this guy can't write worth crap. As long as nothing like that being said, then who cares? As long as the story is good and as long as the, you know, material is sound and it doesn't matter. Um, I, I've never faulted anybody for that. And I've never, never been in, in, a, in a place where I've wanted to be and heard a story that I wanted to hear by somebody that I cared about. And they're like, oh man, your grammar sucks. Or these words you're choosing are pretty terrible. Um, even, even now at 31, there's still like this like, um, pedantic alarm that goes off whenever people start using big words and start trying to be really impressive with their words in the wrong context. And it's like, that's not people talk. People don't talk like that. People don't talk with these giant ass words. It's like, there's a time and a place and know your audience. And, um, you know, yeah, you can, I can turn on the big words and I can use the big words, but why, you know, it is, if you, if you can, if you can get to put your point across in fewer words and simpler words, you should. Um, if, if, if I'm, if I'm writing a paper or talking to my biological colleagues about something that's really important and like that needs to, you know, get put on in like almost like a lecture situation, then yeah, I'll, I'll use big words. But these books, I, I can't see that changing. I'm not, I'm not going to write some kind of like, you know, treatise on anything anytime soon. So this book, the chasing the Kingfish book was written for fishermen about fishermen. This is about, you know, backpackers and you know, just people that are just kind of like not off the grid, but people that just don't want to do things a typical way. The next book is about Westerns. It is a Western about cowboys and, you know, gold mining in Oregon. So these three books, you know, I, I try and I edit it, you know, but I'm, I'm not going through the fine tooth comb. I'm going through with a, you know, medium sized comb, I'm going through a comb. that's like, yeah, like if something is a little, little weird or something goes, happens and okay, whatever. So that might have been something that no one cared about, but just if hope, hopefully you uh, you know this book exists. I assume you do at this point. Um, and and if you've actually read it, then hope uh, I guess I apologize for the editing mistakes, the grammar mistakes. But know that it's not on purpose that that they're weird or whatever, or there's weird words in there. But um, it's not going to change. So hopefully it doesn't doesn't make you mad at me, and hopefully. You like the story and the story's going well and hopefully you guys enjoy this discussion. Um, I say it every every time and it might sound like I have an insecurity to it. But uh, yeah, hopefully you guys like these. Um, we're about halfway through with this book, which is cool. Um, chapter 11, so next is chapter 12. So we're in Austria, so we're about to round the bend. We're about to go to Italy and kind of start turning that corner. So um, I'm really excited to talk about those countries there are really fun countries coming up. Um, so yeah, next is Austria. Hope you guys uh, like this. Um, thanks for still listening. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it's really fun to go into the, the analytics of the podcast hosting thing I use and see people out there, um, including a person in, or people, I'm guessing a person in Ireland listening to this, which is so cool. Thank you, whoever you are, um, individual or otherwise. Um, but yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm definitely going to keep doing this um, with the chasing the kingfish after this. So I really enjoy this audio book and discussion um, format. So like always, thank you for listening. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Take care and uh, keep being creative.